0: Welcome to The Nicholas Natalie Show, where we chat with entrepreneurs, experts, and entertainers to help you live a more fulfilling life and take your business to the next level. Today, we're chatting with Morgan J. Morgan J. is a musician and comedian based in Los Angeles. Morgan has made appearances on MTV's Wild and Out, NBC, and Comedy Central. He's a first-generation American. He takes his musical influences from his Brazilian and Italian background and 90s upbringing. He got his start in New York, where he attended the Tisch School of the Arts, while at the same time doing stand-up in the back rooms and bars of the alternative New York comedy scene. He's won multiple awards and festivals across the U.S., but with millions of followers across the social media platforms, he's most recognized from his viral TikToks and Instagram posts. This episode will be completely uninterrupted, absolutely ad-free, but the deal is, if we're going uninterrupted before we dive in, please leave a five-star review. This is the contract and the terms of service. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Share this episode with a friend that you know would benefit from. These shares and reviews help me reach out to guests, which in turn will bring more value to you on how to live a fulfilling life. Riddle of the week, what's the best smelling insect? Stay tuned to the end of the episode to find out. That was the intro, now here is the episode. Here's where I want to start, Morgan. This is what I know. Your dad was a surf rock pop star in Argentina before coming to the U.S. and becoming known as the singing chef in New York. How has your father's passion for music and performing influenced you?
1: Uh, that's a good question. So, just to give you full disclosure, my father passed away when I was y- a young boy, six, right? When I was six, I had started piano lessons shortly before then. Um, he definitely, you know, sang to uh, me and my brother uh, as kids. And you know, having not really been able to know him, it- it's an interesting experience because now I'm I'm traveling the country. I've garnered a small but substantial amount of success. Some might say, yeah, I'd say. It has allowed me to kind of get into the mind of somebody like him and what it might be like to be a you know traveling pop star or, or singer or any type of musician or artist for that matter because I I know he traveled around South America and Europe um, I guess I'm just sort of like living like an echo in a way you know what I mean does that make sense not I mean I'm, I'm obviously I'm more than that but 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 like. I wonder if he'd approve of the music I'm playing, oh, yeah, but that's interesting. It, it's pretty interesting. Do you think? I don't know um, If he's anything like my mom, he probably would just want me to be happy. So that that's good. That's good for me. So
0: yeah, I think so I th- also think that There's some in regards to like nature and nurture we have we have free will but there's also things in our lives that play into who we are innately and I almost wonder that without projecting if your father's passion for music and love for performing trickled its way through into your into your life, even without having to spend as much time with him?
1: I don't know, you know, I have two older brothers. Um, my middle brother is, you know, he works a pretty normal corporate job for a, a major, like, what's the word, esthetician company, like corporate. I think he, I honestly think he does something like. Something shady. This, something, <laughs> no. Deciding uh, like what size bottles to use and where to store them and who to purchase it from for like the different shimp. you know what I mean, like things like that. Uh, and then I have an older brother, oldest brother, who lives in Florida. I believe he works at uh, like Disney, working on the rides and maintaining them and building them and fixing them and things like that. So I don't know. I mean, I was the youngest. I'm I'm the class clown. I was the one who was there to break the tension. Uh, I think. I had a lot of time to learn from my older brother's mistakes and kind of develop something I wanted. And uh, maybe, you know, maybe there is a little truth to that, but I don't know. Because I I personally think anybody could sing. So um, if they, if they, hot take, I I think it's like any other muscle. If you worked it out, you'd you'd get good at it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. I also wonder if, you said you're the youngest, right? The youngest and your both of your brothers Mm -hmm. are older. I wonder if you've, gain some added confidence to pursue the things that you want to pursue just from seeing those mistakes and seeing your, your brothers go down different routes?
1: Yeah. I, um, I don't know. It's, it's, I don't know what, what it was in me that, that clicked, but not to say that nothing has clicked for them because they're, they're doing fine, but I just couldn't, I just really couldn't see myself working a normal, what people would consider a normal job, Traditional. you know what yeah. I mean? traditional like i just didn't want to be sitting at a desk the whole day which you know coincidentally i don't even think it's a coincidence but as i've gotten older i've, I've sit at a desk more and more because my career requires it of me you know luckily you could do a lot of stuff on your phone but uh, there is something about coming to an office that kind of is nice this is my office so you know what i mean
0: you feel at home in your office yeah. that's the difference you absolutely. get to craft it absolutely tell cool. me about you first getting into comedy and i'll say the first comedy show i ever went to kind of late in the game i went to a stand-up show in san francisco and i got there super early i have no idea why so all of the comics That's were hard. there sitting at the bar beforehand and i started chopping it up as you do And i'm like what got you know what got you in a comedy and everybody in the room was like heartbreak depression mm-hmm. really sad things and they're like i use comedy to work through those things or i found comedy because I wanted to laugh when, you know, I couldn't or make people laugh when I couldn't laugh anymore. Not saying that you have those, you have something like that, but what pushed you into comedy?
1: Uh, you know, I think I just wanted attention. I wanted girls to like me. I wanted people to like me. I just wanted attention. You know, I think, I think we kind of seek out the things that we were probably missing at home. You know, I think after my, uh, dad died, my mom kind of had to, you know, take double duty, worked, work a lot of jobs. And we were, you know, we were kind of, we were kind of on our own a little bit as far as like entertaining ourselves and spending, you know, and I, I think it, it kind of comes in there as far as like trauma or heartbreak. I think, I think those are things you can definitely draw upon to be a comedian. And I think it could feed some of your material. But I mean, I, I, I think, you know, going to therapy and becoming a happy person and, and figuring things out is also beneficial. And I think anything you could draw, you know, I, I think... Because I know a lot of comedians who are a real bummer, and then they got really, then they got really successful, and then they kind of became really pleasant to be around. So, <laughs> uh, is it that it's trauma, or is it that like their current life is like miserable? You know, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's all relative as far as the problems we have. You know, if if you have like the the, I think we as humans, we we find something to overcome. Otherwise, uh, it, it's kind of a boring life. You know what I mean? We find we find something. So
0: Yeah. Gives purpose. That's
1: how I feel about it. Yeah, and comedy
0: yeah. is it could be one of many outlets. It doesn't have to be the end all be all outlet which you work through things. I think to your point it's like, yeah, some things make the stage and some things like you private. Some things I'm gonna handle in a different way. Yeah.
1: I mean I don't know, I think it'd be a bummer if I went and did an hour of material about my dead dad. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or it could be, actually, I don't know. Maybe it could be hilarious. I, I really don't know anymore. it's any, any Anything could be entertainment nowadays. Literally, TikTok has proven that. So I say that in a very positive way.
0: We'll circle back to that. I got something for that. Let's okay. fast forward a little bit to the odd jobs you've worked and this overall journey. So what I know is you've worked as a bicycle tour guide in New York. You've worked at a container store. You've had six years at the Apple store. And I want to know over the years, has there ever been moments in comedy, this pursuit where you're like, ah, man, I feel like this is getting difficult. Maybe I should make a decision here. Wh- whether to give up or not give up. And did, how did you get through those times? So
1: as far as like wanting to quit, I think there's a lot of times where I would tell myself, and I think a lot of artists or entertainers have this, like I could probably just do something else and be happy. So for me, when I started around li- like, I was, I think I was turning 20 ish in college in New York. I, you know, I gave myself a timeline, you know what I mean? I I gave myself, I literally said, I'll give myself 10 years to, uh, see if I can make a living doing this. So at least by the time I'm 30, there's plenty of time for me to change course or try something different. You know what I mean? I think that's something people don't really do is give themselves time and patience, especially people who are part of gen z i think their role models are just a little bit different than ours uh and so yeah i i I mean i think i would i think no matter what you do you 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 i think you want to quit you know you could you could i don't know there's going to be times where you're like "Mm, maybe i just want to try something else because either either it's it's boring or it's miserable or you've lost um interest which i think the same thing is boring but you've chosen not to change or evolve and I guess it depends on what your, your motive is, you know, like if you're somebody who has a, you know, a family and kids and, uh, and people to provide for, and your motive is, I want to take care of my family. Then I, I honestly don't really think it matters what you do as long as you're doing that.
0: Right. Right. Yeah.
1: I don't have a family to take care of. My motive is now to like, you know, create this unique experience for people and bring joy to people. And, um, that's kind of the mission statement. And as long as I keep doing that, no matter what I do, I think it really doesn't, you know, I can quit tomorrow and do something else. And as long as I keep doing that, it will be okay.
0: And I think that's a valiant pursuit. I love that you gave yourself 10 years because there is the sense, and I feel like you're onto something here that in more recent years, the instant gratification, how instant instant is, yeah. is getting shorter and shorter. It's
1: cut, It's becoming literally instant. It's literally yeah, virality like reality overnight. Yeah. And, and, and I, I've spoken to, I mean, I'm getting DMS in the last, since October when this past October, things have been kind of picking up on my Instagram, for example, and also on TikTok where people are like, Oh my God, I can't believe I'm just finding out about you. You're literally blowing up. Yeah. I think that's kind of like a misconception everybody has. I mean, not, I've been doing this since I was 20. I'm 36 now. And, uh, I think i just have years of experience and and grinding out and uh i've built a career and i think people in gen z they see people go viral and um they see that i I mean i see people who are in gen z or, or like early or late millennials who i i'll see them post on tiktok uh fellow creators like how are you guys making money like how do you make money the bulk of my income does not come from social media you know there's like other ways to do it and you kind of really got to hustle. I don't know. It's not it's it's not enough to go viral because let's say you do go viral that that's like your that's like your catapult. And if you if you're not ready to fly or or do all the other things that go along with that, you know, being you know how to market yourself, how to build a YouTube channel, what kind of content you're gonna make, you know, like some of these people go viral, and it's like, what did, do you really love what you did there? Like, are you how are you gonna turn this one moment into a, a full business? Does that make sense? And so I think you see a lot of burnout. I think you saw you see a lot of emotional uh, distress happening amongst certain creators, and I think the creators who succeed are the ones who kind of really buckle down and treat it like a job. And, you know, I had to learn a lot of shit in the last three years, you know? I mean, the term SEO has never been more prevalent in my vocabulary than... I mean, I didn't even know that was a term when I started comedy. But now I know all about it and how important it is. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. So <laughs> Having to adapt and yeah. shift. And I think you're onto something when you're talking about... I feel like without having the experience behind the notoriety, people aren't ready. It it, it yeah. sucks to be in a position to not be able to fulfill it, if that makes sense.
1: I, I agree, and, and I was, when I was starting stand-up, there was many years and many moments, and sometimes they still happen, not as much anymore, but where I'm just sort of like, man, I, I deserve this, or I should get that, and, and with ever, without even thinking about what comes after the thing, right? Does that make sense so so if I landed a huge movie role like what comes after that does are you gonna keep like but but if I landed at a very young age you know like am I really because at a young age you like this you want to be like appreciated and paid attention to and at least for entertainers go so what does the follow through look like you know what what is I forgot the original question or where we were going but but you know what I mean <laughs>
0: I know so, what you mean yeah. yeah. So let's say, let's take these 10 years of experience, well, 10 years plus that you have now and break it down. You're making a living as a comedian. Now you are hustling. If you had to streamline this process, knowing what you know now, what would you say the breakdown is for quickest way for a comedian to make a stable income?
1: The quickest way for a comedian to make a stable income. Dude, it's I, the like, if you asked me that question 10 years ago and you asked it to me now, it's like, impossible to really answer well the first thing i would say is you really have to god i want to make this succinct because i don't want to draw this out but focus more on your focus more on your craft and focus more on your act focus more of your persona on stage make sure that what you're doing on stage is something you'd buy a ticket to see that's that's honestly the main thing i would say if you are not willing to buy a ticket to see yourself you are going to grow tired and sick of your own material and act and what you're doing Okay, that's number one. So if you could find a creative flow or way to, I don't know, really enjoy what you're making, it's going to make everything else just like so much easier and fall into place because you'll be doing stuff for no money with a smile on your face. You know what I mean? Um, That's kind of what happened with me. You know, when I started, I mean, this is a good, when I started, I was doing stand up. I did a little improv. I was doing sketch comedy. I was doing a bunch of little random things, you know, plus all the different side jobs I was doing. And I felt spread thin. Uh, I was producing shows, I think about 10 years ago, I was producing shows here in LA and I was like unfolding chairs for a show. And I'm like, what the fuck am I doing, dude? Am I a comedy producer or or am I a comedian? So, you know, I made the decision like, I'm not going to produce shows anymore. And if I do, I'm going to have minimal effort or minimal involvement in it. And I'm just going to focus 100% on my act and like being the best I can be on stage. And then hopefully everything else will fall into place. And I think if you could show, so for the comedians or the entertainers watching, if you could show that you're really good at just the one thing, people will trust you to be good at other things. And then then other jobs will fall into place, you know, like literally, like if you want to make actual money, I mean, I obviously you could like learn how to be a social media content creator. And honestly, there's... Everything you need to know is online, so if you have a little bit of charisma and talent, you can you definitely can do it. it it's like a there's like a legit formula. You could literally talk to a brand manager, and, and there's just ways to hook people in. And if you have content that's kind of compelling, uh, and you're a unique voice, then I, I think you know you can make ad revenue on YouTube, TikTok Creator Fund, Instagram Reels has their program, Facebook has their program. Um, you could live stream. Uh, there's just so many ways to do it. I mean, that's the other thing. It's like you, you learn you're going to have to become more of like a marketing person than an actual entertainer. So you got to make that, like, you got to make that decision of what you want to be. Cause you can get really tired of that lifestyle as well. I know people who love the game of getting views and, and follows and, and likes and generating content and income based on that. Like that is their profession. You know, not the actual craft or art or what they're making. I mean, you know, you, you see some of these videos people are making, and it's like they're just they're just working the algorithm. So I feel like I didn't answer that question, but
0: I'll take it. I like it.
1: As far as and I, what I'll say, this where where does my income come from? Now, I make money off of college events, private events, which range from birthday parties, weddings quinceañeras uh you know literal corporate events and those sometimes are virtual which is one of the reasons why i have a setup and that's kind of changed over the last several years uh, comedy club tour dates i get uh i get money off of um, commercial acting television acting and hopefully soon uh film acting i also get money from streams on my spotify itunes and all the other uh, music streaming services. Um, so, you know, even if you're like a small time comedian, all those things could really add up to be honest with you uh, to making anywhere between, you know, a 1000 to $4,000 a month. I think, I I make more than that, but I think conservatively, if you put your nose to the grindstone, I think one of the things you have to realize for the first couple of months to years, you're going to make little to no money. So uh, if you can handle that, then um you'll be okay.
0: Getting through the dry yeah. phase.
1: Cause then you'll be getting a lot of money. And then, you know, you just kinda chalk it up to to back wages. You know what I mean? So that's what I say it is. I say, oh, I'm getting my back
0: wages now. It's coming in passively. It's coming so in. Speak, I at- mean at
1: least for this year at least for this year and last year, yeah, it is coming in pretty well.
0: That's great. I love that. Yeah. I do think there is something to be said, what you're touching on. It almost feels like in some respect any sort of entertainment can't go without the social media side now. I'm wondering if you think if you were to start today, you had to start over, is there a world where you could have the same amount of success, if not more without social media?
1: Without it? Could I? Could I like without social media?
0: Yeah, you or the general comedian.
1: I don't know because within the industry within the show business industry there is um I think people do have favorites and like, so if social media didn't exist, I think um, the, the the Hollywood machine or the industry machine that creates stars would still be really, really powerful. Uh, I think right now you're kind of seeing like a middle-class emergence of entertainers. I mean, you, if you talk to somebody who's 13, they'll name a bunch of people that they are fans of and we wouldn't know any of them, you know? And I think you'll, you'll see these like mini micro stars with like, millions of followers and and they're important to a certain collective group of people and um and i think that's something that can only happen now that that didn't if if social media did not exist we would still be you know looking up to the toby Maguire's of of our day and you know i mean who do you think is the, like the the current currently i mean there's only a couple of household names but to become a star nowadays it's like really to become a household name it's it's really hard
0: competitive I'll because be everything's like, so niche,
1: I'll be like, you know who I like? I like Chris Pine, and some people are like, who the fuck is Chris Pine? And you're like, you're like what? You know, you know what I'm saying? There, that's there's like so many outlets for entertainment. Um, me personally, I don't think I would be as successful as I am now without social media. That's just the truth of it. Because I had been doing before social media had come out, I had been doing this for eight or nine years already. Before it had really took off, you know
0: could be to your benefit, you're coming in with eight or nine years of experience while everyone <laughs> else is is focusing on the social media side.
1: Well, I'll say that's the other part. like I think it's gonna be a lot harder for comedians uh, and artists to develop a really unique voice because they're gonna be influenced by an algorithm and everything else right. they see online, right? Because if you want to make more money on YouTube, it's better to put out a ten minute video than it is to put a five minute video out. so you're gonna be you're gonna be more inclined to like Create a piece of work that's 10 minutes long just so you can get the ad revenue instead of just creating a piece that you like. You know what I mean? So the constraints a lot are of different, different. Yeah, there's a lot of there's there's different outside factors.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. I want to talk about touring a little bit more too, because here's what I know. Your first tour you did, you hit around 40 colleges, and now you're touring all the time, it seems. Seems like you're always on on go mode. What makes yeah. touring so important for a comedian's career?
1: I mean, look, I I'm kind of traveled out. I don't love it. However, like for example, I'm not booking any tour dates. Like what you see on my website is what you see. There's a couple more weekends left. There's just a couple one nighters and not a lot coming up. When you consider it by intention, by intention, I will have a huge fall tour, which will be my first real tour. Uh, cause since, because between now and like a year ago, I've just sort of been kind of hitting cities up randomly to just see kind of like how my ticket sales are doing. Um, and my ticket sales are doing pretty well. Awesome. So with, you know, I'll be, I'll be dropping, oh, but let me go back to the original question. Like, what is the importance of touring? I mean, look, it goes back to my mission statement. You know, I feel a certain obligation, a certain sense of gratitude to my fans The people who listen to my music, who share my videos, who will literally mess. I mean, I I mean, look, dude, I don't want to like bring a bunch of like heaviness to this, but there's people who literally, literally DM me. Like I'm going through like a really rough patch. One person was like, I was thinking about, you know, unaliving myself. And then I came across one of your random videos. I didn't even know who you are. And it like really got me through a tough time. And the way I think is like, if one person messages me that, imagine how many other people you did that for, right? And so... You know, look, a doctor really does, like, actually save lives. You know what I mean? But w- I, I think we kind of underestimate, as entertainers, we kind of underestimate the impact we have on uh, our fans. And, um, you know, it brings me a lot of joy when I go to a show and the laughs are rolling in and you can just see the smile on people's face and, like, people come up to you after the show, like, you don't understand how much I needed that. Man, I did a show in... Ontario, California in January. And then there was these two girls in the front row and I was like making a joke and one of the girls was laughing a lot and the other girl was just kind of like laughing a little bit and she was smiling and this and that. And then I got a DM that night and the girl was like, hey, this is the girl with the green hair in the front row. My sister has been having like the toughest time and I don't think I've seen her smile in like a year or two until she went to your show. So you know so so like you know what we are we are needed we are needed bro we're needed out there so like for me um i'm gonna get all my touring done in kind of like one shot uh and uh i think it's just part of the territory it's part of building a fan base part of building well the other thing is like touring creates opportunities to create content also So, um, you know, when I go to shows, I film all the shows and then I'll sift through the footage to see what clips I can find and things like that to post on to social media.
0: It's almost as though, have you ever had, (laughs) I'm sure you you meet somebody online and then you meet them in person. There's something that changes like they're not to say that there isn't a relationship that's built before, but it almost deepens the connection that's already there. So in an instance where somebody who's a fan of your work and then they come see you in person it's like now there's like a true residency a true relationship that is is formed and I find on another that they level. become
1: bigger fans of me if they see me live. I think because they just see me as a dude who who does crowd work with my guitar on uh, TikTok. But the truth is when they see a show I'm doing like, you know, 8 to 10 actual songs, right? And they'll come up to me and they'll be like this is better than I thought it was going to be. I thought this was. I thought you know. I they were like. I know you're like a TikToker.
0: They mm. know me as a TikToker.
1: <laughs> How does that hit right? you? Yeah, that's okay. I mean, that's just the culture they're brought up in. They that's what they know me as. You know. Um, and in fact, that that makes me happy because I feel like I'm adding value to a live experience for them. You know what I mean? Because for them, I think they're they're just used to this like that dopamine rush and. Uh, it's important for me to in- include the audience and create a unique experience that hopefully they won't forget because it is so hard to to grab their attention, you know? So that's why like my set is very hands-on with the crowd for the most part, you know? Every song has some sort of interaction written into it for for the most
0: part. That's smart though because our attention spans are getting shorter and shorter. And speaking of crowd work, do you have a specific strategy or what's your process when you go through crowd work and engaging people on stage because yeah. it's it's all improvised you know what you yeah, see what you feel is,
1: yeah for, for the most part all the crowd work is improvised i don't think i'm that good at crowd work between you and me i think i, I kind of am doing a little magic trick because i sing well and i play guitar uh i do think i have these like really good moments i think like i think you know, nine out of ten times what I'm doing up there is kind of mid, but I think the music <laughs> and the guitar, <laughs> that's, what I, that's adds, how I see yeah. it. it. Self-awareness, yeah. it's important. Um, you know, I'm, I, and I'm totally aware of that, but sometimes when it hits, like, it hits so fucking hard. Um, and I think, like, look, I have gotten a little bit lazy with it. <laughs> I'm, like, here, like, confessing like, yeah, I guess I kind of, like, got a little bit lazy. Because when I first started doing it, I got really nervous. I'm like, what am I gonna do? This crowd work isn't like, what if this goes bad? Right. And it just and it just never went bad, you know? Like it mm. never felt bad. So at a certain time, I, certain time, I just stopped getting nervous and I started just trusting myself and be like, just knowing that I have this like X-Men power of just singing and talking and uh, kind of laser focusing it. And now it's just a matter of like, I, I gotta just push it a little bit further. I don't like to alienate people. I don't like to come at people. I don't like to really roast people. If you see my sets, we do make fun, but it doesn't feel like I'm really attacking you, you know? Yeah. um like. Yeah, I just, you know, my stepdad, like, he has Parkinson's, and I remember a long time ago when I started doing stand-up, a comedian made fun of him for being drunk or, like, an alcoholic, and it just was because he had Parkinson's. Like, he was just, like, a little bit shaky. Uh, and so I, I try I, – I think about that from time to time. Um – Like I just, I keep that in mind if you think if somebody's ill or if somebody, I don't know, or or anything that somebody might be insecure about, uh, their weight, their, I don't even know, like I got cold sores, right? So like if somebody started telling jokes about like herpes on your mouth, like I would be like a little bit insecure about it, but also I'm i I'm like a comedian and I could take, I could take it, but somebody else, cause might be totally mortified and insecure about it. You know what I mean? And, uh, I just think about that. So that's why the crowd work, I could probably go further and be more ruthless with the crowd work, like very easily. I could easily be like mean and ruthless with the crowd work and over music. It could probably be hilarious, but, um, I just don't want to do that to people. So I just sort of stick to talking about sex and dating and relationships and, and fucking, I don't know if I could swear, but I feel like that's something, uh, we could all kind of, uh, bind us. Common ground. Yeah. We all want to have sex.
0: That was the episode. You just listened to it. Be sure to tune in to part two. Morgan J. will be back bringing even more insights into his comedy career. Part two is releasing on Monday at 6 a.m. Don't forget to leave a five star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Remember, you're contractually obligated based on what we said at the beginning in the intro. Share this episode with a friend that you appreciate. It'll take five seconds and is a wonderful use of your screen time. Hit me up on Instagram. I know I'm throwing a lot at you, but I love hearing your thoughts at Nicholas Natalia. I reply. To every DM. The real reason you're still here, you want to know the answer to the riddle of the week. What's the best smelling insect? A deodorant. <laughs> Ooh, that's good. That's good. Those deodorant ants can really stop some precipitation. <laughs> that's probably why they smell so good. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in. See you next Monday at 6 a.m. Be kind, be strong, be disciplined. Have a great weekend and be obsessed. Bye.
1: Bye.